Welcome to season two of the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to episode six, and we are talking about Spawn, the movie from 1997, and some of the comic books. We're going to do a bit of a compare and contrast uh, on these two properties. I have read some of the comic books. I'm about a couple years in. I'm around issue 30, and I decided to jump into the movie from 1997, and what a trip that was. So let's jump into Spawn now. First introduction to Spawn was actually the 1997 movie. Uh, I remember watching it on VHS and growing up I watched the you know the animated series and I recall Spawn was this edgy anti-hero that was for older kids and I was always a casual fan until a few years ago uh, when I came across an article about Spawn and the 300th issue and it was this huge milestone for uh, Image Comics and Todd McFarlane and the character Spawn and and uh, it made me more interested in Spawn and I decided to, to do a deep dive and I picked up an omnibus collection of the, the first issues and then I was hooked. Uh, so let's jump into a bit of Spawn history. Uh, this isn't a documentary series so it's not going to be an in-depth review but just uh, cover some basics of Spawn and the movie and the character and some of the, the background of the, the history of the comic books for some people who might not be familiar with it. And if you are familiar with it, that's great. I'm uh, I love to see other fans of uh, the, the properties and the different things that we review here at the Nerd Review. So it's great to see other Spawn uh, fans out here. Now, Spawn hit the comic book world with a huge splash in 1992. Even the very first issue of Spawn was insanely popular, selling 1.7 million copies. And now we can talk Spawn without talking about Image Comics, the founder uh, and publishing house of uh, Spawn. It also founded in 1992, the new publishing house launched spawn along with other titles such as uh, young blood wildcats and a few more that we'll get into in a minute uh, the founding of image comics itself shook the comic book industry as they quickly set themselves up as the new comic book powerhouse on the block uh, with a new way of operating to boot uh, which i'll get into again in a minute first a little bit more of the background so the original founders of image comics which of course includes the Spawn's creator himself, Todd McFarlane, along with a handful of influential comic book artists and writers, all of whom uh, were very successful making comics for DC and Marvel during this period of the 90s. Todd McFarlane himself gained immense following during an incredibly popular run of Spider-Man comics while working at Marvel in the 90s as both the writer and artist for that series. Uh, this was uh, just prior to the start of Image Comics, and the other founders of Image Comics are also the creators of the other comic books published by Image Comics uh, and launched along with Spawn in 1992 and subsequently began the Image Comics universe where all of these characters existed. Along with Todd McFarlane, there was Jim Lee, the creator of Wildcats, Rob Liefeld, the creator of Youngblood, Mark Silverstreet, the creator of Cyberforce, Eric Larson, the creator of Savage Dragon, uh, who had also worked at Marvel and on Spider-Man comics in the 90s, uh, Jim Valentino, the creator of Shadowhawk, and Wireless 
Portacchio, the creator of Wetworks, and I believe I pronounced his name right, but I apologize if I didn't. I struggle with names sometimes. Uh, these artists were among the most popular and influential creators in comic book industry at the time, uh, but they were frustrated by the lack of creative control and ownership that uh, they had over their own work. They believed that the existing comic book industry was too focused on promoting established characters and franchises rather than nurturing new talent and ideas which hilariously sounds a bit like Hollywood at the moment and it sounds like they took a page from the comic book executives quite literally and uh, in order to address this issues uh, they decided to form their own company so now in comes image comics and it was formed with this completely opposite approach to comics uh, one that allows artists to publish their own creations and retain the rights to their characters and storylines and boom game changer historically uh, publishers own the characters think spider-man at marvel and batman at dc and writers and artists like stan lee and frank miller or you know eric larson and it's another you know you know they they just they work for these companies and they create and they do all this you know artwork and writing for these characters that are owned by marvel and dc now at image comic these various artists and writers um who publish these stories they conjured up within their own imagination and one of these was spawn you know issue number one uh, spawn now has over 300 issues uh, 328 issues to be exact spanning 26 years of storytelling uh, when spawn hit its 300 issue it officially became the longest running independent comic book ever which is absolutely amazing and it's an accolade that not only drew myself to start reading spawn comics but many many more readers to start picking up issues of spawn uh, which led to a notable increase in sales and put spawn back to that uh, top 100 comic book sales uh, the spot which it held regularly at the beginning of publication in the early 90s and since then image comics has published other hugely successful comics over the years uh, including the walking dead and jupiter legacy and uh, comics such as kick-ass earning them the place as the third largest comic book publisher in the u.s and to this day they continue their commitment to creators which inspires new artists and comics to, to be created all the time and it's uh, some amazing work being done for sure so now that we have a bit of the foundation laid out let's talk about spawn uh, mostly the movie from 1997 and we're going to compare that to the comics and you know what they did similar and what they changed and all of that so let's talk about spawn 1997 it was directed by mark az depay mark az depay that's the best i can do on pronouncing his lame his lame <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied here. Uh, so Mark Az Depay is his name. Uh, he worked on the visual effects for a lot of movies. He's uh, very popular in the industry. He worked on uh, films such as Jurassic Park and The Hunt for Red October. Uh, the, I am so tongue-tied. The Hunt for Red October, uh, just to name a few uh, hugely popular movies. Spawn was the largest feature film he would end up directing, uh, and instead going back to focusing on visual effects, going on to work on movies uh, like Paranormal Activity uh, and Spawn had a lot going for it it had a really solid cast assembled uh, starting with Michael Jai White as Spawn uh, Martin Sheen and John Liguiasmo Ligui I, I watched a video on how to pronounce his last name and I still couldn't get it out 
John Liguizamo. Liguizamo. I'm going to move on from that one. Uh, I'll have to say it a few more times throughout this episode anyway, so we'll just take it as it is. By 1997, Spawn Comics were regularly in the top 100 comic book sales of the month, and this popularity of the franchise really peaked uh, when they announced the Spawn feature film, and along with the pre-release publicity for which um, it, it just it helped push Spawn to the, literally the number one spot for his top-selling comic book books for May of 1997 uh, that was in conjunction with the the release and the announcement and from that point it's like the production teams read a few issues of Spawn and then decided to make this movie based only on the names of the characters some of the names not even all of the names and we'll get into that just the, some of the names of the characters and a handful of drawings and renderings uh, which is super weird because Todd McFarlane was involved in the making of this movie and how he signed off on this version of his own character I will never understand so for those of the audience who aren't familiar with the movie or spawn or any of this at all in the comics after the main character after he dies Al Simmons he dies this is literally the very beginning of the comic books uh, he makes a pact with the Malbologia Malbologia I have no idea how to pronounce that it's a devil in in hell uh, depending on which interpretation uh, if you've read the Dante's Inferno it was actually referred to as a stage of hell the pits of Malbologia Mal Bologia. Still not not 100% sure on how to pronounce that. Um, and in this, it's the interpretation that he is a devil of himself in a, one of the, the stages of hell. Um, so he makes a pact, Al makes a pact with this demon, this devil, uh, to make uh, to, to come back to life. And all he wants is his wife, uh, Wanda. Now, a deal with the devil is never what it seems. And while Al does come back to the world, you know, quote unquote, comes back to life, it's five years later and as a hell spawn. Spawn. You get this where you get the title. Uh, hand, uh, handpicked by this Malbologia, Malbologia, uh, <laughs> to be the leader of his his army, his army of Hellspawn, uh, in the inevitable battle between hell and heaven. And th there's is this struggle that Al has to face now because in his heart of heart, even though he was an assassin for the government, he was always believed and he was always told that he was taking out bad guys and that he was protecting innocence and he felt that he had protected his wife and then he was betrayed and he dies and he's sent to, 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 to hell for this and this doesn't sit well with him and when he comes back he he set out to not fulfill the wishes of this devil that he's made a pact with and he doesn't have all of his memories and he has to kind of piece it together um, and it's, it's a very well story now I'm only on the fourth year of the comics now I'll, uh, you know, I'm around issue 30 there's a lot of comic books to get through um there's like i said there's 328 issues so i have still like 200 something to go uh however almost none of the plots in these first years of the issues have anything to do with the plot of the movie not only does the movie have barely anything to do with the source material the story that was used uh for this heaping pile of garbage which is what i earnestly refer to this movie as is actually worse than the goddamn cgi 
<laughs> so like I, I can't I can't lament about this movie enough and I love to lament about it because uh, that's one of the best things about being uh, a nerd and a fan is you can enjoy it but you can also dish out on it uh, so in retrospect the technology used was so new that it was uh, it was too new basically it was so new that they couldn't produce anything lifelike and the emphasis on CGI was such a terrible mistake because the practical effects aren't terrible but compared to the cgi for for malbologia malbologia at malbologia baloney like i have no idea how to pronounce this, this devil's name the, the cgi is absolutely definite terrible it's the definition of terrible he has no depth and his mouth doesn't even move and now according to imdb trivia this was done on purpose and the filmmakers wanted to imply that he was speaking through hell and that's dumb and i don't believe them they just had city they had shitty cgi and they made up some bullshit to save face because honestly it's like the worst cgi i've ever seen in a big budget movie according again to, according to imdb it was one third of the film's budget approximately 13 million dollars was spent on this cgi 13 million dollars for that this is a clear case, another case of I, um, because it was industrial light and magic, of course, just phoning it in. I'm pretty sure I could have rendered a better, a better final product on how much money they got for this, because that's absolutely mind-boggling. There were maybe two scenes that had some good uh, CGI, mostly around the violator, but there was a lot of good practical effects, and the actual props were decent in design and production value. Um, the best thing I can think of is the costume for John Linguiz Ammo uh, as the Violator. I believe I got his name right that time. So he played the Violator, who's, this is what I was mentioning at the beginning, um, whose name the cast and crew did not even know. In the making of Spawn behind the scenes featurette, uh, both the director and Michael Jai White referred to the Violator as the Clown, uh, which really does prove what I said earlier, that no one in the production had ever a single spawn comic uh they just they got like their screen treatment of it or whatever and they just went forward with it which i mean you're an actor it's your job you're you're getting character after character you're reading script after script but it just kind of shows you like what level of like they like understanding they had for a character like you could say that you know if somebody plays a shakespeare character they might have more knowledge or understanding of shakespeare because it's been taught to them in their you know their thespian art school or whatever it is um i had to go british for that one i just i just had to uh so uh i mean now even the the simple costumes were terrible though like so outside of the cgi um the the the, the simple ones were terrible martin sheen as jason Wynn, uh who not perfectly cast jason Wynn was a much beefier bulkier guy and and martin sheen looks like a cross between a, a shady's 90s a shady 90s businessman and a cheap weekend cosplayer worse still was the lady assassin uh played by melinda clark she looks absolutely ridiculous in every scene and to make matters worse this entire production was cursed with terrible wigs uh the like this jumps towards the end of the film but the worst was the xxn reporter actually played by one of my favorite uh my favorite buffy uh, alums uh rabia lamorta just loved her as jenny calendar she was amazing in buffy but her wig 
at the end of the movie was atrocious. Her bangs were drawn onto her head. I had to rewind and pause and stare at the abomination that was this wig. It was that bad. Now, the last 25 minutes of the movie are honestly better than the first hour, which isn't that hard because the first hour consisted of meandering around a, a poorly rendered VFX city, complete with uh, the reused office set, a single alley, a blurry VFX church, and a handful of offices, and that one ballroom that gets thoroughly trashed. Now, <laughs> the, the final act began, and uh, Spawn was ready to face the Violator and, and you know, go up against Jason Wynn. I, I was ready to give this uh, adaptation, quote-unquote, super loose adaptation. Uh, I was ready to give up on it. Spawn was ready after literally three minutes of preparing. Worst training montage ever. It wasn't even a montage. He broke a booze bottle, like a, like a beer bottle. He threw it up in the air, and he broke it with his, like, suit like chain things on his suit i don't know whatever uh and and he's like yeah i'm ready now what the hell i've read three years years of spawn comics and spawn is still getting his necroplasm wearing ass kicked by the violator and just about every other creature that pops up. He mostly killed mafia people and steals some classified documents, which in the comics is what causes all the grief. Though granted, that's more of like a slow build and the movie needs some fast-paced action, which I, I guess there's a bit of. It wasn't that good though. I really wanted to, this to like, I, like I, I wanted to like this movie and I would have preferred more like just drama on that side of the mafia and tailing him and something like that. But I mean, I, it was new. Comic book movies were still new. And honestly, I remember having fond memories of this movie as a kid. It's one of the reasons why I finally decided to dive in on the Spawn comics and I revisited this movie. Uh, like I said, I remember watching it on VHS. The slipcover was so cool. Just that profile of Spawn. And that, you know, goes into the whole practical effects. The the suit was really well done. The, the practical necroplasm that his suit, like it was this living part of his body and it reacted to him as being a hell spawn um it was it was super well done and uh, that's what they had that was part of the poster it was on the slip cover and it was so cool and i remember uh, it was a family friend brought it over they brought over the vhs and it got left behind on a movie night and for the entirety of the next week i was plotting to get up early saturday morning everyone would assume i was watching saturday morning cartoons because i learned quickly that it was the easiest way to get the tv to myself you know i had brother i had my brother and there was other people in the house that always wanted to watch you know the tv or wanted to watch their show or their program so if you got up earlier it was easier you had the tv for hours before everyone else got up and that's probably why i'm such an early riser so uh, everyone would assume i was watching uh, saturday morning cartoons and instead i was going straight for that spawn vhs tape and i popped that in and i remember watching it and my nostalgic memories of this movie are way better than the actual movie that was that was my takeaway from that one uh and even even through that i mean the movie had some like good qualities like i said and even though it panned in reviews from both critics uh you know they gave it a whopping 17 percent as the current rating on rotten tomatoes and the audience wasn't much more entertained as it currently sits at a, a 36 audience score and while 
I could lament about it for hours somehow, mainly due to the comic book popularity and the insane ad campaign in 1997. The movie actually didn't bomb at the box office on a budget of $40 million, which remember I said that one third of that budget, $13 million was spent on this abysmal CGI. Uh, probably so, and, and probably was more like 15, 45 million when you add in that that ad campaign that was that really pumped people up. Um, Spawn somehow managed to take in eighty seven point nine million dollars uh, worldwide box office. So it it didn't lose money and it didn't bomb. They somehow managed to make somewhat of a profit, uh, which is incredible. Uh, I can't think of any other movie that was so poorly adapted and poorly rendered. Uh, and made little to no sense that actually made a lot of bank at the box office. I mean, I even looked up uh, movies like uh, Ghost Rider, and it had a $140 million budget, uh, which is insane considering like just like how much the how much bigger the budget gets just a few decades later, like a decade or something later. But even Ghost Rider made like $228 million at the box office. The ad campaigns and the Nicolas Cage factor, I guess. Like, I don't even know how that movie made so much money. But um, this one, I mean, I, I, I did some comparisons even from from Spawn to uh, to Ghost Rider. And the the VFX were, were obviously they were still better on, on Ghost Rider. It was 20. It was like 2012 or something when when Ghost Rider came 2009. I can't remember when Ghost Rider came out, um, but it just looked uh, visually more pleasing. And that's saying something because the movie is still terrible and Ghost Rider still has really bad VFX. But like I said, the the no depth, the, there was it was like there was just 2D screens. You you could completely tell they're standing on a green screen. Uh, they made poor choices in editing and somehow it still wasn't a flop, uh, you know, which is incredible um, in so many regards. And I've been I've been pretty harsh on the movie. So to play devil's advocate, um, you know, I've been harsh on the production piece people the comic book movies all, all the people who made it but uh comic book movies themselves were still in their infancy in 1997 no one knew 1997 no one knew what uh, tone to strike or even how to achieve that tone once it was decided on and you know it was going to be rated r then it was going to be rated pg-13 then you know maybe pg-7 you know 16 and it just it kept switching and flip-flopping uh they made choices later on in production um to change certain aspects of the movie at one point they were using a stand-in for hell and it was supposed to be just like a waiting room like just one small darkly shaded room and then they realized that this wasn't going to work uh it didn't you know it didn't make sense to test audiences so they decided pretty late in the game that they needed to take more of the budget and depict it in to actually animating hell and what we got was just this terrible terrible animated hell which is so 2d and flat and then you tried to incorporate the 3d characters on top of it and you know you see you see this quality on youtube uh in in a few years following the release of this movie and i'm pretty sure the guys on youtube did it better uh, i was just reading it's been the 15 year anniversary of charlie the unicorn hey charlie we're going to candy mountain and it had basically the same cg 
CGI quality. I'm not even shitting you. Like, that's how bad it was. Uh, so, I mean, it was, you know, they attempted something, and they did attempt to capture the dark, gritty feeling of the comic book, uh, and I don't think they even understood what Stay True to the Comics even meant at this point in time. Uh, Michael Jai White makes this so evident in the making of Spawn that behind the feature, uh, the behind the features thing I was mentioning before, uh, he states, and I quote, we wanted to make the movie as true to the comic book as possible. So when they lit me on fire, they used real fire, end quote. What? That doesn't even... They don't use real fire in the comic books. Being true to the comics would be following the narrative of the already laid out comic book source material. (laughs) Just... Uh, like that was just hilarious. It was like, like what I said, they didn't even know the antagonist's name. He, they, they referred to him as the clown, but he has, he was the violator. Um, now jokes aside, the action sequence, the action sequences were decent, uh, though most of them had poor CGI elements blended in, uh, like Spawn's cape, which feels like a great, great grandfather of the CGI cape that Dr. Strange would one day wear. Uh, and in that perspective, it is amazing how far computer effects have come uh, in the decades between these two movies, uh, Doctor Strange and Spawn, because they have like similar elements when you think about it, the capes and the way that they, they interact with their environments. And if you watch uh, Doctor Strange, the way that that cape interacts with the environment and the actor himself, it's it's amazing. It's like light years apart in, in the terms of realism and what they were able to achieve. And moreover, well, this quote, staying true to the comics, they attempted this, but there was maybe two pieces of dialogue from the comic books that are in the movie. And the only direct quote uh, is from the violator, actually, uh, when he says, no more clowning around. I'm not the vindicator or the victimizer or the vaporizer or the vibrator. I'm the violator. And this isn't even from the Spawn comic. It's from the violator's miniseries. And in the comic he isn't even talking to spawn he was talking to his philiabic philiabic yeah his demon brothers who are actually named the vindicator the vaporizer uh there's the violator vandalizer and the vacillator which i assume was the joke when he said or the vibrator uh which is which is kind of funny uh and, and i would say um, while still playing devil's advocate, not not for Malbalagia, but for Spawn, um, trying to work that joke in for a while now. Actually, uh, so I, uh, the only redeemable part of these mo- of this movie is the performances by John Leguizamo and Michael J. White. Uh, you know, they they actually had some good character uh, acting. They they stepped up and delivered on these characters. Uh, Michael J. White described in an interview that he found uh, quote. Al Simmons character appealing he described Spawn as again quote the the most tragic character I've encountered in any cinematic production Uh, he says it uh, that was end quote he says it was a challenge to make the audiences sympathize with a government assassin who comes back from hell Uh, he had to endure uh, so sorry this is the actor he had to endure two hours of makeup work uh, including a full glued on bodysuit yellow contact lenses that irritated his eyes and a mask that restricted his breathing. And he said that his, the, his long time experience
experience with martial arts helped him endure the uncomfortable prosthetics, giving him strong will and unbreakable concentration. Uh, though, funnily enough, apparently uh, this was only his appeal was only to the character because he has since stated that he is not a fan of the film. And again, quote, there is no footage of me ever saying that I liked Spawn. I have never said that I thought that that was a good movie. Uh, end quote. So that was that's funny. He Apparently he liked the character once upon a time, but he never said that he liked the final product or liked the movie. And at this point, I completely agree with him spawn is not that good of a movie um, but my, my my fond memories of this movie are intact uh, however and if you are a fan of spawn send me a message drop me a comment on what you liked about the movie um, I always enjoy a good conversation about movies and having a difference of opinion can be eye-opening maybe I miss something or you have a really strong case or something that makes this a great movie or a great adaptation or a different view of the movie um, there's you know so many different things you you could talk about about uh, comic book movies and the production and all the different people that worked on this movie you know how this movie moved the dial on comic book movies uh, spawn is still a classic comic book movie that is a huge part of pop culture history and a part of the history of comic book movies and it definitely paved the way uh, for more adaptations of darker comic books and you know characters and series like Deadpool or Logan or all of these great movies that we have today so sometimes you need a crappy movie that is going to push you know some of the technology or push the the bounds of what is capable and and sometimes the end product isn't that good and you know thankfully these guys managed to make something that was still profitable they made bank at the box office but uh, sometimes these movies flop but at the end of the day they still uh, gathered and came together and made something and they produced you know a piece of entertainment that was given to us us the fans and i still think that that's worth note you know it's worth noting it's worth credit it, you know even if the movie is bad uh you know it generated you know all sorts of things posters all sorts of things that are good the artwork uh the the character design uh in the movie the the sets the props there's so much uh things to give uh credit for the the the, the production value on those costumes are really well done those are some amazing immaculate um uh, practical effects i'm losing my train of thought on that one the practical effects were really uh well done so as much as you can lament and and say bad things about about the movie i think that's always there's always something you can find on the positive side too and like i said that was the actors performances and the practical effects in this movie and some of the action sets were pretty good the action sequences the gunfights the you know chasing him down on his motorbike and stuff like that and it was it was altogether it wasn't the best movie it didn't really sell that much it didn't it didn't set up a franchise there's been there hasn't been a spawn too though uh, Todd McFarlane has been adamant that he is still working and still pushing forward on another spawn, you know, another attempt at a spawn movie. Uh, and I'm eagerly reading all of the articles about that, all the updates, all the actors who get attached and the directors who get attached and all that. So I'm eagerly looking forward to the next spawn project. I'm continuing to read the comic books. I'm about to jump into the animated series. I'm a huge spawn fan. So if you ever want to talk, 
talk spawn throw me a message send me a like send me an email hit me up on twitter any of those things uh this has been the nerd review of spawn mostly the movie from 1997 some of the comic books just title it the nerd review of spawn i hope you've enjoyed this episode i hope you're enjoying the nerd review and i hope you come back for the next week's episode this has been the nerd signing off